Ketubot, Perek, Yud Aleph, Mishnah, He. So sometimes the court itself will sell the property of a deceased husband on behalf of his widow. Having taught about a widow who mistakenly sells property for more or less than it's actually worth, the Mishnah teaches the laws when a court makes such a mistake. So, Shum Hadayanim. If an appraisal of the property was made by the judges, Shepichatu Shetot or Hasifu Shetot, who valued the property at a sixth less or a sixth more than the actual worth, and then they sold it for this mistaken price. So let's say it was worth 600 Zuz and they sold it for either 500 or 700 Zuz. Mikhran Batal, the sale is valid because if they sell it for too little, the heirs lose. And if they sell it for too much, the buyer loses. So normally when something is mistakenly sold for too much or too little, the sale is void only if the mistake is more than a sixth. If the mistake is a sixth or more or less, the sale stands. Furthermore, when land is sold, the sale stands even if the price is off by more than a sixth. These laws, however, do not apply when a court sells property owned by orphans. In that case, even if the price is off by only a sixth, the sale is void. If the price is a sixth less than it should be, the sale is void because the orphans would lose. And if it's a sixth more, then what should be the sale is void because the buyer argue that it never occurred to him that the court made such a mistake and thus he bought the property under false pretenses. So when it comes to a sixth, it, it doesn't stand. So Rabbi, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says, Mikhran Kayam, note the sale stands, even if they sell property for a sixth more or sixth less than its value. MK Makoach Bedin because if it is so, that you know the sale is void. What would the power of the court be worth? In order to reinforce the authority of the courts, the sages decree that its sale in this case is final. However, if the court sold it for less than half its value or more than twice the value, even then Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel would agree that the sale is void. Now, in the following case, though, the first Tana and Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel agree, Aval im asu but if instead of setting the price on their own, they so the judges of the courts made a letter of inspection. So they released a document that announced that the property is ready to be inspected by the public and sold to the highest bidder. The law is that even if they sell property worth 100 zoos for 200 zoos or property worth 200 zoos for 100 zoos, all agree that their sale stands. Since they let people inspect the property and sold it to the highest bidder, it's not their fault that the price paid was too low or too high. Okay, uh, But here too, even if it was sold for less... Uh, less than half or more than twice its value. So let's say property worth uh, 100 zuz was sold for 201 zuz. You know, um, that's that's more than twice, you know, it would be void. Okay, so in that case, that would... Um, they they would agree in this in this case because of this public uh, this public inspection. Mishnah um, Vav, the following woman does do not receive any ketubah at all. Hamma'enet, a girl who refuses. So that is an orphan girl who was married off as a child by her mother or brother and then ends her marriage, which she can simply do by refusing to be married anymore and leaving her husband. So under biblical law, a girl under the age of twelve can be married off only by her father. The rabbis, however, decree that if she has no father, her mother or adult brothers can marry off. However, since the marriage in that case is not binding under biblical law, she can leave her husband by refusing him, which is called mion, even without receiving a get. So hashnia, okay, back into the Mishnah, a secondary erva. That is a woman married to a relative who is biblically permitted to her, but rabbinically forbidden. So, for example, a grandmother married to a grandson. The marriage, though forbidden, is binding since it was permitted under biblical law. And then Ailonit. <clears throat> Sorry, that is a woman who has certain physical characteristics that show that she can never have children. In fact, her husband found out only after he married her. In each of these cases, if she's widowed or divorced, she receives payment neither for her ketubah. Okay, so she does not receive the basic payments of 100 Zuz. However, the reasons are different in each case. Number one, the girl who refuses loses the Kutubah because she chose to leave her husband. B, the secondary Erevah is penalized with the loss of the Kutubah because given that women are usually more interested in marriage than men, or we assume that she encouraged her husband to marry her despite the prohibition. And C, discovering one's wife is an alone, it makes the whole marriage a mistake. For had the husband known of the, her condition, she, he would not have married her in the first place. Thus, the marriage is null and void, as though it never happened. So in all these cases, they get no Kutubah. Volop nor do they get the produce of the Malog property that her husband ate 
receipts during the marriage. So if a husband used her property and benefited from its produce, as a husband is entitled to do, he need not compensate her for what he took. Here's two, the reason is different in each case. Number one, because the 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 ma'enets, the girl who refuses, she left her husband. Before she left her husband, they were considered married, and he had the same rights to his produce as any other husband does. Therefore, he's not required to pay for it. Second, the marriage of the secondary heir was forbidden, and the husband was not entitled to take the produce. Nevertheless, in order to penalise her, because we subject such marriages to a kanas, to a penalty, the sages decree that she cannot claim compensation for produce he already ate. And seeing the third case, the husband of the alonit also had no right to take the produce since the marriage was not valid. However, because she let him eat it and never objected, she cannot demand. And compensation now. So he gets no kibbutzah, no perot, velomenas or not, and they do not get support. In the case of the secondary vow, the alonet, the husband was not obligated to support her, just as he's not obligated to pay the kutubah. In the case of the mama'enet, he did have to support her when they were still married. So the Gemara explains there that the Mishnah is referring to a specific case. The girl borrowed money while they were married to pay for her food. For example, he was out of the country and she and could not send her money. And then she left him. Normally, a husband must pay back such a loan on behalf of his wife, since he's obligated to support her. The girl's husband, however, does not have to pay off her loan because after after she refused and ended the marriage, it is as though they were not married in the first place and he is not required to pay for her support. So that's what we're talking about in the context of Mizanot. Vlobla'at and not for the loss of value of her worn out Malog property. Okay, so for example, if she brought garments into the marriage as Malog property and the husband used them until they wore out, he's not obligated to pay her for them when the marriage ends. A husband's right to use his wife's possessions is the same as his right to eat produce from the Malog property. Therefore, just as he did not pay for the produce he ate, so he need not pay for belongings that he wore out. So the Mishnah says the Lord regarding Ailonit, whose husband did know of her condition before he married her. But if in the beginning he married her knowing she was an Ailonit, the marriage was valid because there was no mistake. Therefore, Yeshla Ketubah, she does receive the Ketubah payments as well as the other rights listed, listed above. Now, the following women are in forbidden marriage and yet do receive the Ketubah. A widow is married to a Kohen Gadol. Um, an ordinary Kohen. Who's married to a regular Jew, Bats Israel and Latin Mamza, a regular Jewish woman who's married to a Latin or Mamza, Yishlan Kutubah, they do receive the Kutubah payments even though the marriage is forbidden. Unlike the secondary Vah, who is penalized with the loss of Kutubah, these women are not penalized. The reason for this difference is that the women in these forbidden marriages are disqualified from later marriage with Kohen. The children from the marriage are likewise prohibited to Kohenim, and in some cases, even to regular Jews. Since a woman will not want herself or her children to be restricted in this way, we assume that she did not persuade her husband to marry her, rather, he persuaded her to marry him. Therefore, she's not penalized with the loss of Instead, the husband is penalizing that he must pay the Kutubah. In the case of the secondary Ravah, by contrast, neither she nor the child becomes disqualified. Therefore, we assume that she encourages the forbidden marriage for which she is penalized. Have a great day.